welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, all right. What's up, everybody? Knock On Podcast 300 and something, and I've got... Mr. Dependable, hey, Aaron Brendable. Hey, what's going on, man? How's it going? <laughs> the winner of the knock-on golden trident yeah. bow, which was technically a contest, uh, which Killcliffe had put on, and it was in an effort to finish the march to a million, which was an effort for Killcliffe to raise $1 million total for the Navy SEAL Foundation. And they were super close. And then we put this really cool bow up for auction. And that came with a year supply kill cliff and a one-on-one experience. And we didn't really specify what all that would be. I thought it'd be cool to, you know, be like, hey, here's a surprise to the winner. So, yeah. Dude, why don't you back up and tell that story? Yeah, I mean, again, the whole every you know, the whole experience was great. Uh, I mean, your supply kill cliff was awesome, but the whole being here is awesome. Uh, but before I get into that, I'll tell the whole story of <laughs> of uh, the best hundred dollars I ever spent. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because I think it was six tickets for a hundred dollars. Yep. I think it was. Yep, a steal in my opinion. Uh, but anyways. You posted about the contest, March to Millions by Killcliffe Navy SEAL Foundation. And, uh, I, you know, I told myself, I got to buy those tickets. Again, six tickets, $100. I wouldn't, I didn't think I was going to win. No way. But I was more than happy to put $100 in the bucket to get to March to Millions yep. uh, for the Navy SEAL Foundation. It was a no-brainer. Uh, work caught up with me. Totally lost track of time that week. Uh, we were getting ready to go down south from Michigan to Virginia Beach to go see family. And you posted on the last night, and I was going through my feed like an hour and a half, roughly, to the deadline. <laughs> and I was going through my feed, and I saw that, and I'm like, I forgot to buy my tickets. I got to buy my tickets. And I literally jumped up from the couch, went around the corner where I throw my you know everyday carry stuff, and... Bought the six tickets for a hundred dollars. Totally forgot about it. Again, I wasn't expecting to win. I never win anything like this. <laughs> and so, fast forward the next day, we're driving down to Virginia Beach to go see family. My daughter's spring break, you know. And I go into the gas station to go buy some waters and everything. I come back outside, and my wife is on her phone. I left my phone connected to the car uh, for navigation and stuff, and. Uh, my wife's talking to her phone and she's kind of like has this bewildered look on her face and like, oh yeah, oh no, he's right here. You know, you want to talk to him? So she hands me the phone and I'm like, who's calling her? You know, who's calling her phone but somebody for me? Yep. And she hands me the phone, you know, like, hey Aaron, this is John Dudley. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> no way. And then, yeah. I love how you did the slow, methodical voice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, total surprise. 
out of left field. I mean, literally after we hung up the phone with you for that hour, like my kids are on their, their tablets watching cartoons and stuff. And Elizabeth and I and my wife were just sitting there in shock. <laughs> like what just happened for like an hour? It's just crazy. It was so cool because um, I saw the name. You know, they just announced a winner and there was an email address. But there wasn't like a phone number, you know, like through. Um, this was, again, a random pick. And there was a service that was used to where you go in, you buy the raffle tickets, you enter your contact information. And as soon and you, you know, it has to be set up to where when that closes, the system pretty much shuts down like at the exact time, doesn't allow anyone to enter anymore. And then, and then you have to log in to a different, um, a different thing. And there's like a button there that says, you know, randomly pick the winner. Oh, wow. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So I, and I'm, I think I have it on my phone cause I put it on my story so people could see like, you have to grab this file, which is an, an Excel spreadsheet. I must be of like every person, every, oh wow, every single entrant, and so you drag and drop it into this randomizer, and it just like bloop, like it just it's like randomly picking a winner, and it just pops up. And oh, so it was wow. just like an email address, you know, which you entered in. Yeah. So I was like, man, I really want to just call this person. And Sharon says, well. If they've made an order, they're genius. It might be in the system. Yeah. And what was crazy is uh, at first, I'm like, I wonder if this is the right guy. And you didn't have a phone number in the system. And then she starts, she's like, well, there's another, there's another Brendable in the system. Uh -huh. And so evidently, by the looks of what Sharon and I could see, your wife had logged in and bought a release for you for Christmas, it yep. looked like. Yeah. Did, is, did she buy you one for Christmas? Uh, yeah, she bought a silverback. Okay, yeah. so so Sharon goes, well, this this Brendable, uh, is it Amanda? What was your wife's name? Elizabeth. Oh. <laughs> You're close. I was close. I was, close. I was close enough. Um, so she said, well, let's, you know, let's look to see if they have the same address, which you did. And so that's why I like had your wife's number. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, that's kind of the story. I think uh, you were telling her or something afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Connected the dots. Yeah. She's like, "How did you get my number?" <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Creeper. Yeah. So, I mean, it has to be. I'm thinking back. It's cool for me that you're here, but I'm thinking back to times where. Like when I was doing this, if all of a sudden um, I think back to like when I skated or something, if if mm -hmm. like I got to win a a skateboard and go and like hang out at Tony Hawk's house oh, exactly. and like yeah. ski on his ramp or like skate on his ramp in the yeah. backyard or exactly or like if I won like you know a a weekend on the mountain with like Glenn Plake, yeah, I would just be freaking dorking out. Yeah, it, I mean that's exactly how I feel. I mean it's. Uh, <laughs> Like I've telling you earlier that I just of everything that's happened for the last couple of days, it's uh it's feels like someone should be waking me up right about now from like this crazy dream from like everything that's that we've been doing, like yeah. uh, shooting, building up the golden trident, and then you know you teaching me some techniques and stuff, and then you know having awesome meals left and right. So it's it's been awesome workout. Well, 
can't forget the workout, <laughs> the workout before we shot. <laughs> That's all part of the plan. Yeah, that was, yeah, so smart plan. Tell everyone your story because it's really cool to me that so many of the listeners are high-end archers, but there's all, also, I think, way more that are new, that are that were like interested in, in bow hunting and thought, oh, this will be cool to try, and then went and tried it because the reality is you you haven't been into archery very long. No. But but in saying that, you've you definitely are all in. Oh yeah, for so, sure. So walk through like what made you start? So growing up, I actually grew up in southeast Alaska, a small community south of Ketchikan called Metlaketla. It's not even on the map. Um, and so that's why I usually tell people, um, you know, I'm from the Ketchikan area. Yeah. And uh, so growing up there, um, it's mostly fishing or rifle hunting, which I mostly fished growing up. But as a kid, I'd watch, you know, aside from cartoons, we had 40 channels on the TV. One of the channels was Outdoor Channel, Channel yep. 23. <laughs> and I'd grow up watching, you know, Midwest whitetail hunting with bows and, yep. and that whole thing. And I was like, man, that looks awesome. Like, I've always wanted to do that. Fast forward to to college. I went to school in, in Arizona, in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, graduated. And it wasn't until I moved to Michigan that uh, I got really exposed to bow hunting, like, up front. And so when I, mean, when I moved to Michigan, I wanted to get back into the outdoors because yep. uh, I, you know, was in the books for the last five years, just chugging away at that, trying to graduate. So when I got to Michigan, I'm like, you know, I'm in my spare time and I want to be outdoors, camping, hiking, fishing, but I really want to go back to hunting, you know? And so my buddies in Michigan were like, well, if you want to deer hunt here in Michigan, which there are a lot of deer, your, your best bet is to bow hunt. And I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to, but I've yeah. never, never did it. So for my birthday, like a year after we moved, we moved in 2012. So in 2013, that, that April, uh, my wife gave me the go ahead. Same one that bought me the release. <laughs> I only had one wife. Yeah. Good. Make that clear. Keep, keep her. <laughs> yeah. Keep her. Yeah. Uh, she said, you know, I know you want to do this and get into this. So for your birthday, just go down to Cabela's and get everything what you need to get started into archery. So it was a bow, it was a bear domain, and, and then some arrows and a wrist strap release and, and a Plano case, and everything. like the whole yeah. works, you know? And uh, and then from there, I was like shooting in my basement, you know, like 12 yards yeah. from one end to one end. Missed a couple times and chips, <laughs> chipped, <laughs> chipped the wall a little bit on the foundation. It's fine. I sold that house. It's, it's okay. <laughs> But, um, you know, I have been shooting ever since. And then once I like really got into it, I mean, that's when I found, you know, the knock on YouTube channel and all your content. And then ever since then, I've been like, how can I be better at, yeah. like at, at this craft and, and, and this discipline it's, and so I've been just working through like the mechanicals of my shot to make sure it's clean all the way through. Yep. So, um, that's pretty much it, and I've been doing it ever since, just working on my shot and, you know, putting the reps in to make sure that when the moment comes when I'm out hunting, 
you know, in the tree stand or, you know, out, out west or whatever, that when the shot comes, it's just, you know, instant, it's like second nature or whatever they call that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So did you mention, I was trying to stop you, but I didn't want to stop your role. Did you say what your degree is in? Because you're kind of oh, a yeah. crafty sucker. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not like you went for, um, I don't know, some like a PE degree, which right. is what I would have went for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I went to school for aerospace engineering, um, at Ember Riddle Aeronautical University. So when I went into school, I wanted to, to design planes and, and everything that goes up in the air, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my focus for those years that I was in Arizona. Why did you pick that? Uh, Got to backtrack when I was a kid. Uh, my dad was really big into uh, models. He liked building models. Yeah. Like ships and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we did together. And uh, so we built a lot of plane, like airplane models together. And so, like, I've always been fascinated with, like, building these things. Yeah. And so I was, like, looking at how, you know, these models went. And then you actually see these planes go up and you're like, how... How does something that large and heavy yeah. like go up in the air and then stay up there? You know what yep. I mean? So ever since I was a little kid doing that kind of stuff, I've always been fascinated by it. And it just kind of stuck with me. I'm like, I got to go figure this out. Does does the flight of the arrow or watching arrows fly? Because you were talking about like, dude, that arrow like looks so good. Going oh, absolutely. There. Is that yeah. totally clicking for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, that has... That has to, like, flight in general has always fascinated me. And I I actually was, went to school when I, my freshman year, I, my plan was to uh, do aerospace engineering as, like, my, my primary focus. Yep. But then, and, like, the, as my minor degree, I was going to do, um, they call it aeronautical science at Embry-Riddle, which is basically learning how to fly. Yeah. And so I was talking to somebody at the school and they're like, well, I don't mean the trash on Ember Riddle, but they're like, don't learn how to fly here. If it's just like something you want to do, <laughs> if it's just something you want to do, do it outside of the school because the people that come here to fly, they learn, uh, they do it to build their hours quickly. And then you kind of get put into this network where you can be placed like directly into like commercial airlines. Okay. So it was, so are you a pilot too? No, I have not learned how to fly it because it's, just something I, once I graduate, it's been, you know, nonstop. I would think you'd want to. Oh, I for sure want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've been to Southeast Alaska, um, there, there's only two ways to travel in Southeast Alaska. Cause they're all broken up by different islands. You can mm-hmm. either take a boat or you can fly in between my, my hometown in Ketchikan. They, there's a couple airlines that they fly these old 1950s de Havilland otters float mm-hmm. planes. Yeah. So I grew up watching those things too, mm-hmm. flown on them many times. So like that's always been my dream is to learn how to fly an otter, and then oh, yeah, cool. and then own an otter. Right. Oh damn! All right. Yeah, and then Get after it. Yeah, but then college I started like learning these things, and then <laughs> I found out they don't make those planes anymore, <laughs> and then they're like you know, close to a million dollars a piece. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you need to wait for an auction to come up where you buy a hundred bucks for the raffle tickets. And yeah. see if you can freaking win the lotto twice practically. Yeah, pretty much. What do you think about, um, like knowing that type of thing, when you look at arrows, are there parts of an arrow that you feel like 
this isn't really like as good as it could be or I mean aerodynamically do you look at it and be like oh you know what we need like we need an arrow with like one tall thin and two out the side or something (laughs) I mean looking at the mechanics of how like the arrow flies Mm -hmm. like it to me when I look at it like it makes sense the way it is Mm -hmm. you know it's it's long it's sleek it's got weight in the front and you know the the fletchings in the back, all that makes sense. So when I see it, I'm more fascinated by like how you go from four fletch to three fletch and like, you know, uh, crosswinds and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I look at an arrow and, and how it's used, like the design of it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I just, when you know you launched a good arrow, just watching it sail across yeah, the you, yard. Yeah, you bombed a few of them and I put, I put, uh, I put one of your first ones actually uh, on Instagram today and people are freaking loving watching arrows fly. I mean, people really do. They just love watching an arrow fly. It's super awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I love it. And your, your bow is shooting really well. I I knew right away you had some arrows for the bow that you had previously. Mm -hmm. um, But I kind of felt like they were probably too stiff. You were right. Mm -hmm. You said you were right on the bubble according to the chart but you also had a lot of overhang Mm. um you're several inches longer than what you really needed to be for your length so i knew by just taking that length down it Mm -hmm. would stiffen it you know because the length of that arrow is shorter so it's a little bit harder to bend it you know you don't you're not bending it from as far out with like that paradox yeah so um we went to a weaker spine knowing that I was going to be a cutting off the front and you're yep. able, you know, I know we were able to pick up speed and I also really just felt like it was going to group better. But the other thing is like today we shot with a little bit of wind and it's obvious to me that any type of change, especially when there's a wind as a factor, you just start to instantly see it with an arrow yeah. and through all the years and years and years of testing, and I've tested so many freaking veins and combinations and arrow shafts, and yeah. and honestly, I haven't done it in probably a decade because I had done so much during this during this one span. Um, I was kind of being hired for R and D by arrow companies, and then also worked for two vein companies. And so I was just doing all this R&D stuff. Yeah. And so I just started, you know, shooting every, I had a shooting machine and was using it a lot and plotting everything down. And so now I've kind of came back to the arrows that we offer, which is, you know, for the average guy and yeah. a, a magnitude of different types of broadhead options, that four fletch that we offer it, like, you know, exactly how we build them out of our jigs yeah. you know with that max stealth vein and just feel like one it, they shoot awesome but i also feel like they're quieter and i've never totally got the right answer someone told me one thing that made sense they told me about like you know some of the helicopters with three blades they're a lot noisier than when there's four because you know it's like they're they're not like the airfoil's not like coming down and then getting cut again. Yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of constantly turning instead of chopping. So right, does exactly. that make chopping. sense? Yeah, yeah, it actually does. It 
Totally makes sense. But there's give and take because then you go to a five or a six and it starts to, you know, you just, it's there's so much turning that it starts to become drag, you know, at right. that point to yep. where the deceleration mm-hmm. is happening faster. Yep. And and the faster an arrow decelerates, it starts to really lose its accuracy as right. it's decelerating. Yeah. Does that yep. make sense yeah, to you? Yeah, it totally makes sense to me. Yeah. So how do you go from like an aerospace degree, wanting an otter, wanting to own an otter, fly an otter, and at no time did you tell me you're building cars um, <laughs> to now you work for Toyota? Yeah. So, um, so after when I graduated in 2012, that was kind of like, you know, the economy was starting to come up. So aerospace jobs were starting to come up as well, but there were very few very few in the aerospace uh, field and the jobs that they were looking for were looking for, you know, people with almost like PhD degrees for like research. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to, I had to start working. I had, you know, I had to start making money, you know, um, start my life. I just, we, my wife and I got married five days after I graduated since my family was all coming down from Alaska oh. to Arizona. Oh, I guess. Yeah. To, good to call. Gra- yeah. To graduate. And so I was like, well, everybody's here anyways. So let's just get married like five days later. So did you ever go down to Tucson to see the museum, the plane museums? No, see, I, I know Dude, the heck just a riddle. They're tossing tests and I homework feel like and, I kind of feel like, I assume how you felt when you started like telling me and sharing about all this food stuff that we should know. Like, have you guys tried to do this? And we're just looking around like, why isn't he cooking? And then you're like, I really don't know this stuff. I just like know a few things. So the fact that, like, yeah. you know, I'm asking you, hey, an hour and 45 minutes away was like a yeah, but doesn't super. It feel, doesn't it feel good that you're telling me? This oh, stuff yeah, to- it's payback. <laughs> it feels awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never, I've driven by it. Okay. I've never stopped. But. We actually had like a private, um, a private banquet in there last year. So um, I'm a member of the Boone and Crockett Club. And one of our, um, one of our banquets for our annual meeting was there. One of the dinners oh, nice. for the annual meeting was there. And it was, it was really cool because they yeah. had shut everything down. That's awesome. So we were in there and got to kind of, you know, we had our food catered in there and we were able to, to walk all around and check yeah. those suckers out. And, you know, a couple of like old timers from the wars came in there and told That's, a bunch of cool yeah. stories and stuff, which was, which yeah, was pretty that. awesome. Yeah. You know? I love going to those air air and space museums because, I mean, it's not just like you see history. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those uh, museum employees are, you know, retired or some of them actually been there. Oh, yeah. Like if they weren't flying those aircraft, they had something to do with them. And, you know, they've just plugged, filled with knowledge, stuff that you didn't even know about. Like I, when we went to Virginia Beach, we went to an, an air museum down there. And we were talking with a guy, one of the – the museum employees and he was like um did you know that uh after there's a there's a a penny like right in the front right behind the propeller that every time uh a engine has been overhauled that engine mechanic will put a penny to mark that year that it was reserviced (laughs) so that way when they you know it's a quick look at the engine to see when was it last 
Uh, oh, wow. That's yeah, cool. so, like, that was at the first 15 minutes of going to this museum, and I'm, like, looking at every engine and looking for freaking yeah. pennies, you know? Uh, just little stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. What does Elizabeth do? She uh, she graduated with a degree in teaching, okay. and so she uh, was teaching in Michigan for a little bit, and then um, we became pregnant. She became pregnant for with our first child, or my daughter, and so um, she started uh, her student teaching like just after my daughter was born, and so um, when she started her student teaching, my daughter was going to daycare, and so because she didn't have much vacation. Uh, I would take time off to if my daughter was sick, and I was like, yeah, "This doesn't make financial sense to have you know me keep coming off of work, taking time off just to watch my daughter." Yeah, and you're not making any money or anything like that. So I was like, "You know, I think you're you can just stay home." So she's stay at home mom, stay at home buying silverbacks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we've been fortunate enough in that where she's been able to stay home now that we have two two kids so one of my uh really good friends he wasn't like a good friend at the time we knew each other and knew that we got along really well but now we're we're actually really good friends and have, have done a lot of cool things together he actually is um one of the ones that nominated me into the boone and crockett club but um he's been the president of two different universities isu and and auburn and so like one of the first time we met because of bow hunting and uh, one of his colleagues uh, was sitting next to me on on a plane, and I was I was actually writing a bow hunting article. So I'm up there just writing an article, and then once I get to a certain point, I would like parentheses insert photo three B parentheses highlight that, and then keep going. And then I would like go into my photos file, find the picture that I wanted as photo support, and then I would like rename it photo 3b drag and drop it in the folder so yeah. like i could see this lady watching me do this and i kind of was thinking like which i think about a lot because I, i've had issues in europe where bow hunting isn't you know common yeah i've had it where people you can tell they're not like in the fact that they're having to see like dead animals yeah so yeah. I was kind of in my mind going like, oh, she's looking, she's looking, yeah, she's okay. looking like, and I and and she had like a a drink too. So I'm thinking like, all right, is this an extremist getting ready to like chuck this oh, cup no. on my on my laptop? You know, Jeez. so uh, she's just like, what are you doing right now? And I just said, oh, I'm just doing some writing. And she's like, what are you writing about? And I just said, um, just writing about archery. And she's like do you bow hunt? And then I was just sitting there thinking, mm, I don't know what I should do. And I said, I go, yes, I do. I do. And I, I teach, try to make some education out of it and stuff. And, and she goes, are you from Iowa? And I said, yeah. And then she goes, she's like, I'd really like to introduce you to my boss. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. What? Yeah. And, and I had no idea who she was, but she's like, she goes, my boss really likes bow hunting and he's really into archery, and you know, I think, I think he's kind of new to town. I think it would yeah. be cool if, you know, if, especially if you're teaching. He's like, you know, she's she said, um, she said I'm a professor, and so I mean, if you're a teacher, he's gonna really appreciate you. Yeah. And so I kind of 
blew it off in a way. I just said, actually, I'm on the way to a trip. And I said, it was, I know it was the end of August and I was heading, I was flying to Chicago. And then from Chicago, I was going to go up to Alberta and then be up in Alberta. And then from there, normally I'm like out West. So I just said, well, this is kind of kicking off my season. I said, I won't really be checking email or or anything very much. I said, um, but maybe if you have them send me something like October 1st, I'll be back and kind of mm-hmm. back in Iowa and stuff like that. And she's just like, okay. Yeah. So I gave her my email address and then October 1, ha- you know, comes up and then I see this email, right. you know, from, it's like from his personal email. And he's like, Hey, you met one of my colleagues. Oh, wow. I, he goes, I read a lot of your stuff in Peterson's bow hunting. It's pretty cool. We're only 45 minutes away you know, you should, you should come up and, you know, come up and, you know, we can talk archery or whatever. So. Oh, nice. I went up and got to kind of got to go up and be in the president's box and, oh, and you like have a cool yeah. experience right at yeah. the university. And, um, we were just kind of cracking jokes and he said something about like, you know, I'm he, I said like, well, what'd you do before you were um, before you were president. And he said, he said, I was a teacher. He said, I was a teacher and, and just like me being my personality and just saying random dumb stuff. Yeah. Um, I pulled a Jack black quote out of my hat from a school of rock. And I just said, yeah, those who can't do teach and those (laughs) who can't teach, teach Jim. (laughs) (laughs) And he just looked at me and he's just like, that's the dumbest thing someone's ever said to me. No, oh, man. Oh, geez. And I was like, oh, it's just a movie quote. <laughs> oh, man. And oh. Uh, I'll never forget that. But he looked so disappointed in that statement. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for it. It's amazing. Um, yeah. It's amazing when you see really good teachers. Too. Absolutely. Like, you yeah. know, I. it's when you have kids, it's you. You recognize that yeah. way differently. Like I never. 100%. When I grew up and I went through school, I didn't really focus on like the school part. I focused on the sports part. So mm-hmm. I I knew that there were certain coaches I didn't like, and there were certain coaches that I loved them, but I never really looked at it as this guy gets me to produce or this guy really helps my technique and makes me better. Yeah. It was always just like, to me, a coach gave me direction and practice and like told me what to do. And if we won, I did good. Mm -hmm. Whereas now being a parent, when you watch your kids on a team, you start like you're looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. So you really start to see like, this person is not a good coach. Like no one knows what they want to do. Like an adult can look and say, I'm pretty sure this is what he's trying to get them to do. Right. But he's not telling them Mm -hmm. like to where they understand this is actually what he's trying to achieve today, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then there's struggle and there's chaos. And then sometimes there's like poor leadership from the coach to where, you know, they're not any good because like what's interesting is, when Harry grew up, soccer was his main focus. And what's crazy is as you go up through these soccer programs, like every year or two years, you get like a different coach. But the kids, the kids don't change. You know, 
it's you kind of have the same starters and sometimes you get a right, new person in crew. yeah and every now and then you get a new one in that's like really good mm-hmm. and and you're thinking this is going to be the teams are going to be even better even better mm-hmm. but harry had like two different teams in soccer that were undefeated and you were just and you'd watch him play and watch the coach work with them and you would think these guys are freaking awesome. Yeah. They're, they're legit. They're, you know, they're yeah. they're good players. And then you think, okay, next year you know, we're 9 and 0 again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they they just go to a new coach or they go from like, you know, uh from like fourth for from fifth grade all of a sudden they go to sixth grade, which now they like go to the the junior high. Mhm. Um but you're also watching them play the same kids from other towns. Right, yeah. But then all of a sudden it's like you're you get two wins mm-hmm. in the you know and and you kind yeah. of start to think there's a massive difference oh, in huge. what coaches can get out of people and some of the coaches they would never get like replaced um because of because of their accomplishments or their accolades on the resume. Right. They were like, this was a phenomenal soccer player. Mm-hmm. But it just became more evident to me that just because they were that person played 12 years of soccer and played pro. Yeah. They're not a, they're not good at telling people yeah. other people how to do it or they're not good at like team leadership or they're not good at the conditioning, you know, like yeah. balancing conditioning or how to run daily practices or yeah. practice. So it was just, it was helpful for me because I started stepping back more and trying to just change my angle of how I looked. Like when I, when I was working with people or working with teams and I got to the point where I'm like, why aren't they freaking getting this? You know, or, or I'd say, I know this person's better. Why won't they? Why won't they just do what? Like, and then I, I had to start stepping back when I know, this is what you know. When I know I'm repeating myself, yeah, I have to like step back and say, it. Are do you need to say it different, yeah. or can you say it and then get the student to and and then ask the student, tell me what I'm asking you to do, right. Right. And then they tell you it back and you can say, no, yeah, that's not like, is that what you're doing? Because that's not what I'm asking you to do. Yep. What I'm asking you to do is this and then say, do you understand what I'm asking you to do? Right. How would you tell me to do it if I was, if I was, like if, we, switch yeah, if we switch places, yeah. how would you tell me to do it? And then yeah. they would say it and I'd be like, okay, we're on the right track now. Yep. Can we do that? Can yep. you do that? Yeah, exactly. So it was, um, it was a needed perspective, yeah. but it, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't have to, I, if I didn't have to watch from mm-hmm. like outside of the field, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. it, was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. hundred percent. I know what you mean. Um, I mean, I've mentioned my daughter, she's in school now and I know exactly what you're talking about as far as like getting a different perspective. It wasn't until, you know, I became a parent that I realized like, looking back at my childhood and like all the coaches from basketball, cross country, um, you know, and teachers from school, Mm -hmm. like how good my teachers were because Southeast Alaska, 
uh, like a lot of places in rural, rural Alaska, you have people coming up from the lower 48 and they just, they want to try something new. And there's a lot of opportunity up in, you know, the last frontier, a lot of schools, pe- uh, communities are hurting for teachers for them to stay. And there's a lot of turnover. Yep. And so I had a uh, select few uh, teachers that stuck around for a while and, um, looking back, I'm like, you know, I was pretty fortunate that because of the turnover rate of teachers in Alaska, like I was pretty fortunate to have them from like, you know, sixth grade all the way to like yeah. graduate. And then and they, even then they stayed like a year or two after I graduated. And, um, so I, I knew what you mean by different perspective and then going back to sports. I mean, you know, it takes a, a great coach to lead, um, a great coach to, in my opinion, it takes a great coach to lead a team full of, you know, average players and make them successful. Um, whereas, you know, in my opinion, a bad coach would just lean on one individual yeah. and, you know, and just kind of so ride common. on. Yeah, yeah, it's very common. And just ride on that players or, you know, whoever's coattails. It's such a gamble too. And it's obvious in, you know, you can get away with that up until about high school. If you're talking about sports, yeah. you know, but once you pass high school, and I would actually say once you're in the last two years of high school, like once you start hitting varsity sports, one standout becomes really hard to like overpower just a solid team or a marginal right. team. Yeah. Um, did you have you read um, Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership? I have not yet, no. What? I know. Sorry, Jocko. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's what what I found really cool about it was there was a there's a story in there, um, and I won't give it away. But mm-hmm. there's a story in there specific about um, when there were two two teams going through buds, and you know they're trying to. It was you know during like a a part of their. Um, a part of buds where they were having to carry the boats and do boat races, right. you know, and there's teams. And so there was one that was, you know, just dominating, but it didn't have a bunch of standout studs in it. And right. then there was another one that just had a bunch of freaking studs yeah. that they were expecting to just be dominating. And they were just freaking horrible. Right. But the, the leaders could recognize that the captain is was the one that was probably holding this back and the one that was like doing awesome in the boat with a bunch of guys that were you know probably less physically cultured yeah they ended up switching the captains to pretty much like pin it on this awesome cap you know this awesome captain like you know hey hey you're gonna have to figure out how to freaking do it with all these guys that have That's came right. and last yeah. all the freaking time. Yeah. And real freaking quick, all of a sudden he just the, switched. Yeah, it switched. Wow. I, it's and it was it was um it was a really cool story about just how the right leader can get the same result with even with an you know, I wouldn't say inferior, especially in that situation. Right. But they can make up ground for the physical attributes because, you know, they can, they can just, they don't necessarily need the horsepower. They'll just, 
make that engine be in time yeah. to where it's, you know, it's singing, shifting gears when it needs right. to. Yeah. And so that was a really cool story. That is. Yeah. So when you, uh, got your bow started shooting a little bit yep. and shooting holes in the basement wall right. and stuff, what was your first hunt? Uh, it was uh whitetail in Michigan, Southeast Michigan. Um, my actually, my very first hunt, was so i got in april and it was that following october yep so i've been i was shooting the those six months or six so. months or so roughly roughly yeah and then my friend who kind of like pushing me to get into archery he had a um a friend up north that we went and visited and hung out and his family owned a like an apple orchard and he's like you know you guys can come up and we can hang out and we can go hunt and i got a couple spots where you can you know, just sit and, you know, take it all in. And if you see a good deer, you can, you know, shoot it. Yeah. So this is my very first hunt. And, (laughs) and he just set me up in this pop-up line at this intersection of trails where they've been seeing these deer move through. Coming through to the orchard. Yeah. Yep. This pretty good spot. And he just popped this pop-up blind. He's like sitting here, you know, and just wait. And you knew nothing pretty fresh <laughs> like as newbie as it gets right because i mean i grown up i i rifle hunted sitka blacktail you know hiking mountains glass yeah. and all that stuff and so sitting in this pop-up blind waiting for this deer movement to, I'm, everything i've seen about whitetail hunting was just on channel 23 the outdoor <laughs> channel so uh so i'm sitting there and daylight starts coming and all of a sudden, I can hear something moving. And, of course, I've heard squirrels moving around, but, yeah. like, this was different. Okay. Like, this is the slow footsteps of something cautiously moving. And it would stop every once in a while, and it started moving again. And I'm like, this is, this isn't, this could be a deer. <laughs> of course, me being new, I didn't, like, try to creep around yeah. the, the pop-up blind windows. I just went... Full on face Stuck out. Stuck your head face. out the window. I didn't like stick my head out the window. I'd like put my face like in the window view fully. Like I didn't like try to sneak and it was a buck coming in. Like if he kept moving and turned the way I wanted to, even if he kept going, I would have had a shot like 20 yards broadside. <laughs> but because I like looked and he saw my face like flash in the window. Yep. Turn around, tail up, gone. And so that was my first. How long have you been there? Uh, that morning. Yeah. I was sitting probably an hour and a half already okay. from what I remember. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was a long one. We were hanging out the night before. So I'm like tired and, you know, dehydrated, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who invited us up, he was too tired and too dehydrated to go out with us when he was supposed to yeah he's like i'll just drop you guys off and i'm gonna go back to bed <laughs> so that was my first exposure to to whitetail hunting and then um not too long after that i ended up getting my own lease uh from a friend who helped me find it and we've just been hunting that these small 80 acres in southeast michigan and just been learning about yeah. hunting whitetail turkeys uh planting food plots 
playing the chess match that is <laughs> killing a mature white tail buck. So what about um, your trip out west? Like, when did you decide, hey, I'm going to go elk hunting? So that came about, I think it was about 2017. Uh, my friend and I, the same friend that uh, helped me get my lease in, in uh, Michigan, we've been talking a lot about, you know, hunting whitetail and everything. And he's like, man, I, I really want to go out west. I really want to do you know, elk hunts, mule deer. Uh, I really want to get into this. I've been constantly looking at message boards and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, let's, let's just do it. Yeah. Stop talking about it. Let's just go. Yeah. And so we started like utilizing different resources, you know, websites that give you different odds and mm-hmm. everything. And we just worked out a strategy to, to apply for as many States as we could, you know, breaking a huge dent in our wallets for the application <laughs> yeah. and everything. But luckily some of the states give you some of that money back if you're unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, so we just started building points in different states. And uh, in 2018, we got lucky. Um, we both drew. Actually, we started researching in 2018 was our first year that we applied. So we talked about in 2017. Okay. And then 2018, we applied uh, for a couple of the states, just collecting points, and then New Mexico's like, you know, tossing your your name in a drawing yeah. lottery, if you will. And we applied for first, second, and third choice hunts, and for the same ones, but on different applications. And we both drew tags, but in separate choices. Oh dang! Yeah, so we were planning on hunting with each other, like yep. helping each other out. Yep. But he ended up pulling a rifle tag. In southern New Mexico, it's a pretty good unit. Yep. And then uh, I think it was 16E. And then I pulled the third choice hunt uh, rifle tag in northern New Mexico, like close to the border of Colorado. Yeah. They're like yeah. five hours apart. Oh, damn. So we we went out there. We got all the gear that we needed. We thought we needed to, to start doing this. And... Uh, I recruited my brother-in-law who I hunted with in, in Alaska. I was like, you know, I'll buy your ticket from Albuquerque to, you know, just help me out. <laughs> and he's like your size, you know. And so I... 5'2". Yeah, 5'2", 140 pounds. Yeah, wet. <laughs> <laughs> so he came and hunted with me. And then uh, my buddy got somebody from here in Iowa to go with him because this, this guy wanted to go scout the unit for his future hunts. oh okay yeah so it was like a win-win for him because yep. they split the meat and whatever um so i ended up shooting a bull opening day pretty decent bull for my first one i'd say and yeah. and uh we had an awesome experience but since i shot my bull opening day uh i called my buddy and i was like all right you know i'm all tagged out you know i'm gonna start I'm going to just go home. And he's like, no, you're coming down. I didn't really tell say I was going to go yeah. home. But he's like, all right, well, here's my pin. Get down here yeah. as fast as you can. So that way, if I get one, you know. I got help. Yeah, I got help. And so. And you're fully experienced by now. <laughs> yeah, full, full experience. <laughs> right? Straight elk hunter. And then that night after I texted him, he ended up shooting one. And so on the drive down there, like by the time we got down there, they had it all butchered up. And just helped him pack all that. Dang, you guys are just carpooling back, tagged out. Tagged out, yeah. three days? 
Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of driving. Like I think it took almost just as, if not longer, to drive out to oh, New. Oh, easily to get to New Mexico than it yeah. did for our hunt. Because yeah. we we mixed in a, a day or two of scouting. Um, that was another good story. Is my brother in law? My brother's you know sea level back in Alaska, mm-hmm. and then Michigan's no elevation, like ten. 10, 10 maybe. feet, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so going to New Mexico, Unit 51, uh, we're at a spot where our camp was set up at like 9,800. Oh, damn. Bro. So, yeah, like zero to 100 real quick. And we're setting up camp, and my brother-in-law and I are just tired. Yeah. Gassed out just setting up the tent, <laughs> unloading the Ranger, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, this is not good good (laughs) but then all of a sudden like we're just finishing up like that evening we weren't planning on going out we're we're finishing up just setting up everything because we had a full day of scouting the next day and then all of a sudden this herd of elk just cut through camp i'm talking like 20 cows two bulls from what i remember i just remember just hearing them come but they're just cutting through camp like maybe 75 yards from us. Damn, dude. It, yeah. And then, so me and my brother-in-law and I just look at each other like looking at the clock and seeing what time sunset was. <laughs> We're like, we can get a good couple hours of scouting if we go. So we just dropped our stuff, put our hiking boots on, packed a little bit of food and water. Yeah. And then just went. We weren't going to go far. Yep. We started hiking and not thinking we could start hiking up. And the higher we went, I think I remember looking at the GPS and when we stopped and took a break after hiking, we were at like 10, five and that's legit. And it was like, it just, there was still snow on there. So we were like trudging through snow at this high elevation, just completely destroying ourselves. Gassed. The first three hours of arriving and putting our packs on, we go back to camp and I remember both my brother-in-law and I were like not wanting to admit defeat to one another. So we're just sitting there at camp and we're like, that was a lot of work. Yeah, it was. And then I just like, I'm just going to say it. I'm dead. Like I'm, 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 you can call me a wimp. I'm dead. I'm, I'm defeated. Yeah. And my brother-in-law was like, yeah, me too. I threw up on the other side of the truck. (laughs) I didn't even want to tell you. But we ended up like sleeping in just because of how bad we felt. Yeah, hopped in the ranger, went to lower elevation, just kind of like slowly acclimated ourselves. To yeah, it. it was that was my first like twelve hours of elk hunting. So the second elk you got that you showed me a picture of was that with a bow? No, still a rifle. Okay, yeah, but it was early enough that. I wanted to do it with a bow. Like it was still, the rut was still happening. And the way that hunt happened, I, I for sure could have, because I actually uh, brought it with me to shoot it in camp, you know, something to do on yeah. the downtime. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, if the elk are abundant, as you know, I've, I actually hunted my first elk hunt in this same area. So I pulled a unit 51 tag two times in, in a row. <laughs> which is unreal. And um, so I brought my bow with me since I already shot one with a rifle. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, if the elk are as abundant as they were previously and were a little bit earlier, closer to the rut, I, you know, I'd really like to shoot one with my bow. 
And I was like, well, we'll just go out and see how it is on opening day. Cause there's no way I was going to get yeah. one on opening day, you know? And so I, we were late that morning getting our stuff together and I just grabbed my rifle and I was like, well, let's just go out. This is more like a second day of scouting. And we go out and it just happened so fast. We were on this ridge and just doing some cow calls and this elk popped out and I'm like, I'd totally shoot that one on the last day. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so, and then just another opening day success. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it was crazy. Again, took longer to drive out there than it did to actually hunt. <laughs> Dude, you're a lucky freaking son of a gun. I don't, I don't understand like, it. Yeah, my buddy's like, I don't understand how you're so lucky. And I attribute to, like, the, the collection of four-leaf clovers I have in my wallet that I keep. Do you have some? Yeah, man. You want to see it? Yeah, get them out. Get them out. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. So it all started, like, when I was back home in, in college, I'd go back home and... I was playing he sure does. He has a wallet full of four leaf clovers that are all taped. <laughs> scotch like tape. Scotch yeah. taped together so they don't I mean, they still have pretty good color, honestly. I mean They're that's like how you sealed in it. the flavor. Yeah. I mean I've got a picture somewhere I that's, found. I mean, that um, sucker's a no, that's a four. No, that's a five leaf clover right there. Look what that is. Yeah, that's a fiver. So I mean I'll I'll attribute my luck to these. Okay, I like it. <laughs> so you told me, um, you've told me and Sharon several things that made us laugh. <laughs> um, you know, last night when we went to bed, yeah. I was like, I like that guy. And she said, yeah, he's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of told you this morning, you know, that you were funny. And you said, you said that you had some stories that you had saved. Yeah. Because you didn't want to like, you didn't want to tell us every cool story the first right. night we had you over for dinner. Right. So. Yeah. I had to, yeah, I know you can appreciate some good hunting stories. So those were my two elk hunting stories. Those okay. were pretty good. What uh, else you got then? So I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off that second elk, my second on my 2018 elk, 19, 19 elk. My second one, we go back to camp and there was a guy from Minnesota who was camping with us. And this guy was tough, right? Like, we met him. He set up his own camp. He's, like, close to 70. And he's got friends that are, you know, uh, from the Army. They were, went to Vietnam. They're Vietnam vets. They couldn't come with him. So he's just hunting uh, Unit 51 by himself. What was his name? I don't remember. I, my buddy has his name and number in his <laughs> phone. In his phone, But I, I, his name's escaping me right now. But I could still picture him and everything. Uh, but anyways, after we get my bowl, we bring it back down to camp. I save the tenderloins, and we start cooking. By the way, they're not that small. Like You just, oh, yeah. you just made a gesture like the size of a well, summer sausage. Yeah. Tenderloin, yeah. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, that's better. Yeah. Um, so I, I chop up the tenderloins. We didn't, I didn't have any butter or you know anything like that. Slow churn butter with some garlic. I didn't have any of that. <laughs> Here he goes. Here he goes. <laughs> so what, what I did was I seasoned them, um, and uh, we had some pre-cooked bacon that we would just eat on the go. I was like, well, let's just render down these pre-cooked bacon in the cast iron. 
just to get the grease from it. Just render them down. Just totally cook them out just to get <laughs> all the grease out. So we did that. We just kind of like, you know, these are for the mountain lions later. We just chucked the fried up piece of bacon. And we just seared those tenderloins in the cast iron. Yeah. Real quick. Didn't take long. In butter grease. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the guy, he just came back from his hunt. And we were like, you know, come on over. You're successful. And this big... Big grizzly old man. He was tough. And he's like, "Oh man, that's you know, it's great for you." And then he started like bossing me and my buddy around how to hang the meat. He's like, "No, no you got to do it this way." And we, we were kind of scared of him. We didn't want to like say no. And we're like, "This is fine." Yeah. So like, just after the lunch, we, you know, with the tender ones, um, he was kind of like showing us how to hang it up. And then all of a sudden, he's like, "Hey, um." I have some like dessert here if you guys want. And then all of a sudden he just like, I baked all these cookies and like they were freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. And like, and, like just seeing another side of this, like you just never know yeah. the different sides of people. And it was awesome. Like, and then he, another best part about it was he had this flip book of Polaroid and just different pictures, like actually developed pictures of all his hunts oh, in wow. a book that he has ready to just show tell other it, hunters. Tell you a story. Yeah, so, like, it was more personal than, like, you know, I'm guilty of it. I just f- swipe through my phone. Yep. You know, just like, oh, look at that one, look at that one. Here's the trail camera. That's how it used to be. That's, like, what the ATA show used to be like. Right. Like, yeah, because I worked for companies, so I would be there as a manufacturer, and people would come up wanting to get, like, a sponsorship, so they just come up with this, you know, book that was pretty much just, a, you know, pictures of every single thing they've shot. And they would just that, try to yeah. tell you how awesome they were based off all right. these photos in this album. Right. And so, yeah, that was like we were just sitting around <laughs> eating his, like his freshly baked cookies and just out of his Tupperware and just going through all of his photos and just hearing all these stories. It was awesome. That's, like I told myself, I was like, I hope when I'm like his age, I'm still doing this just like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hope that for all of us. Definitely. You know, there's, there's worries for me personally, um, about the hunting community just because I know there's a lot of people getting in and it's, it's great that people are getting in because when people get in, you also start to see things from a different perspective and you can say, well, that's not true. Yeah. Like, you know, when they're like, all they do, you know, they just shoot them and leave them lay. I mean, yeah. you'd be like, no, that's not true. That's not, that's not what they do. So it's good that more people are coming in from yeah. the educational standpoint, but it's also, um, I think as like our culture starts to change, I just know like what I said at the beginning of the podcast when I was talking about being on a plane and worrying about someone seeing hunting pictures on my laptop, because there's definitely parts of Europe where, you know, it like hunting is so taboo and they don't understand it. They're not going to understand it. That's right. So I, I really worry about us digitally having the potential to like trigger another side of society yeah. to where it gets taken away. Yeah. Cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of, 
I don't think it's out of possibility. It's no, within the realm. Like we for sure. We could abuse it to the point where there might be some states that are like we allow hunting or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, dude, somewhere like California could shut it down in a yeah. second, right? And then yeah. and then, you know, and then another place follows. It's yeah. it's hard to like and what would happen is it would get to the point where the game didn't manage itself. The predators yeah. would just decimate everything down yeah. and then they would have to realize like oh we actually need hunters yeah to like try to regulate this stuff so i'm a little bit worried yeah. that you know we if we get away from that culture of like having those stories and representing hunting well yeah versus you know not representing hunting well and sometimes arguably provoking the non-hunters, you know, like intentionally posting a pic that you know is going to piss them yeah, off. Yeah, It's like if you can take a good, clean trophy photo or you can post a photo where, you know, you've got the things, you know, leg, you know. Yeah, like I, already field dressed. Well, you know what I'm you thinking what I mean? of? So, and I don't even know where I got it from, but I screenshotted it because I – Somehow it was like in one of my feeds and it wasn't being po talked about positively, but there was like a, and like I came from Wisconsin in Northern Illinois, but like Wisconsin, the gun hunting tribe in Wisconsin is definitely like a totally different culture than Iowa. I was, I was close and like, believe me, when gun hunting weekends open, they get after it. But in yeah. Wisconsin, like the Orange Army and like the family traditions of going to the North Woods, like all the guys going to oh, yeah. the North Woods in these, you know, and you've got like three generations of yep. that do, you know, like deer camp, you know, yeah, I mean, that do a full deer camp and yep. stuff. It was. It was something like that. It looked like it was either like Minnesota or Wisconsin or Michigan. Yeah, right. But this hunting party had like obviously had a really good hunt and yeah. they had, you know, hung their all their their deer up. Like on a buck pole. On a buck pole. Oh, yeah. They got and then it was there was snow. They got frozen. <sighs> so then they kind of took them all down and stood them up. Like in in big in like a big line, and then they were all like in the back of the ATV, and they made they lined them all up so it looked like Santa's sleigh. Oh, and they had like a Santa outfit on. Yeah, yeah. and, and I remember like screenshotting it to just like honestly for for a moment like this to where I would say, you know, that is not going to do good yeah. for archery. No, definitely you know, it's, not. It's not, or or hunting. hunting I shouldn't say archery, but yeah. for hunting, it's just not going to do good. And, yeah. and I also realized, like, I've done stuff as a, you know, as a teenager. I honestly feel like you shouldn't be able to totally make a public statement until you're, like, 30. Yeah. I would agree with that. Maybe mid twenties. Yeah, but if you're if you're twenty one or less, like yeah. there's a good chance you For could sure. say something really dumb 100%. or do something yeah. dumb to like get a few people at a party to laugh. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. There's so many pages to where it's just like what drunk people do or whatever. Yeah, and it's like you know what partying teenagers do. Yeah, 
there's just too much opportunity to do something that would be really dumb. And any person would say in their 40 year old self, man, was that dumb? Right. I've had that. I've had that. So, you know, and and I always look at it as like, yeah, I can see how, you know, people would have thought that was funny or like, you know, the whole group's kind of saying, Oh, I got an idea, you know, and everyone falls into it in the moment and you go for it. Yeah. You go for it. And then you post it and then backlash. Yeah. Everybody, then like everyone's wife from the deer camp's just like, that's disgusting. Is that what you guys do when you go up there? You know, you'd be (laughs) like, no, I don't, I, I wasn't even wanting to do that. You know, Billy, Billy, Billy made me, wasn't going to drive me home unless I got in the picture. You know, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that happens, but we have to be careful. Very I mean, much We so. really do. Yeah. Information is just shared so fast, too fast nowadays. Like, you know. It's um, not even like you, it's not, you can't even say fast. It's instant. It, right. Yeah. Like, fa- yeah, it's like not slow. It's not fast. It's, it's literally instantaneous, right. you know. It's public instantaneously. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't even near this. Like, we're, us as human beings, we weren't receiving this much information the rate that we are now 10 years ago. So it's, it's a whole different ball game nowadays. And like you mentioned, you have to be careful. And, um, I even don't myself, like I've, my first buck picture that I've, you know, once I've gotten my first Michigan buck. Did you, you get know, one with your bow then? I've gotten a couple with my bow. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. My first one with Michigan. Um, so after I found it, um, I, you know, immediately field dressed it and my hands were all, you know, bloody and mm-hmm. everything. And yep. like, you know, the gut pile is right there in the picture. And, you know, I just, I should have been more careful as far as like, I guess, for me, it might be not that big of a deal, but like if I was in certain crowds or whatever, you know, some people might take offense to that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, for and, sure. And so it's just nowadays with like this whole cancel culture and stuff, we just have to be careful because the, the hunting community is fragile, especially um, it may not seem like it when you're in Michigan, but if you look at the numbers that the DNR has produced, uh, the amount of licenses that are being sold in Michigan are dramatically dropping. Really? Um, yeah, I think Detroit Detroit uh, Free Press, the main newspaper, put out an article a while ago. I have it saved in my phone, but like the numbers are dropping quite a bit. Um, this would be you know pre COVID because I know after like during COVID people were doing more outdoor activities, but before that, like the numbers were just like dropping dramatically. Um, and so the DNR really wants to encourage. Did more. they say why? Just the generation now um, in Michigan are just not taking an interest to it, like the that they would normally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and then the reinforcement, like within the like the family tradition, or passing along the hunting, uh, it's just not there. Is kind of what they summed summed it up to. Uh, they saw a huge surge of of hunters. I think from the this is from my memory, but you know after like Vietnam War and stuff like that, mm-hmm. a lot of people come back and like uh, they saw a huge amount of hunters. And so there was like a huge surge of uh, new hunters just after like those types of events. And like a lot of p- those, do you think it was from? You say like after Vietnam. I mean, 
how many of that was that vets? I mean, do you, be. do you think it's like vets yeah. that came back and found the same type of like yeah therapy and like kind of rush is yeah. what yeah Jocko and I talked about essentially yeah, yeah. I and mean that would be really interesting yeah I'd have to find that article let me show you after but uh, they talked a lot about you know kind of when these surges of of new hunters happen and so Michigan DNR have like actually they've encouraged like free youth hunt weekends yeah you know mm-hmm. like um yep. you know early tags for youth hunters um accessibility hunts you know for um you know special need hunters yep. that type of stuff liberty weekend hunts stuff like that so they're doing more things to encourage hunting in the state but my point is is like the hunting community is fragile so we gotta like be careful you know doesn't matter if you know you have 300 followers or 300,000 you know, yeah. you, there's always one person that's following you that might like get upset or something. Yeah, it's too easy to see it. And it doesn't really matter what people have for a following because, like, now, especially when people are following hashtags, oh, yeah, more so. And, and I will 100% guarantee anti hunters are following somewhere, they're following a hunting hashtag oh, to look yeah. for ammunition. Like, there's no question. And what's really interesting, though, is I had two states that up until this year were always guaranteed to draw. And you can see less and less people are getting those guaranteed draws because there's just more applicants trying to put in, especially for Western hunts. Oh, yeah. Because I think it's just that mystique is growing. and. And because there's such good information out there, I don't think there's a scare factor for people in the East to be able to go to the West Mm. and try Western-style hunting, whether it's elk and mule deer. I mean, I'm sure the people out West, which I had a friend that didn't draw um, a Utah tag that won with an incredible amount of points for elk, but then even for just a regular draw, Oh, wow. And they just couldn't believe it. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, well, look at how many, like, look at how many very public type figures there are from Salt Lake City, like mm-hmm. bow hunters or bow hunting groups or the Western Game Expo. Um, I mean, you look out there, it's like you've got Hoyt, Easton, uh, you got Traeger, you got mm-hmm. Mountain Ops, you got, yeah. I mean, it, it honestly just keeps going. It's like yeah. you go north a little bit, you've got like Leopold, you've got Maven, um, just kind of, you know, anywhere from like Wyoming. Um, and then like, like you have in Montana, you've got like Sitka, you've got all these yeah. places that do a really good job of putting content out there. Yeah. Like Meat Eater and yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. Aaron Schneider and every you yeah. know everybody is like talking about it and showing ways to be able to survive doing it too. Yeah. You know, you got Barklow out there. You know, giving some knowledge bombs yep. to people for, for sure. you know survival tactics. So, I think it's growing, but it's interesting to me that in some demographics, it's yeah. it's declining. If that's the case, I mean, I think they're. 
the article was probably looking at what it used to be and just kind of like seeing the trend. You know what I mean? I've seen that trend too in some of the meetings that I've been in um, with the Boone and Crockett Club because yeah. obviously it's it's concerning to see licensed sales decline. But right. in the same sense, I feel like there's a surge happening right now. Yeah, that is a bunch of new people that are that are open minded to hunting for the first yeah. time. There's people that are. Well, I just know for me and like knock on the amount of people that are trying archery because they're like, man, you're just making it so easy. Content's free. I can yeah. follow along. I can 100%. do these steps. I can see like the video series we did with, with um, Mark Shanker, just showing Mark coming here, never had pulled a bow back, Yeah, you know, never pulled a compound bow back. Yeah. And in three videos, he's shooting good. And like, you know, he's on his way to be able to hunt That's to hunt. And then certainly people like um Mark Carter was a snowboarder. You know, I taught to shoot one weekend and then a weekend a week later we, you know, did a hog hunt together and you know, yeah, and he was able awesome. to just work on shot execution and yep. and get a pig and then, you know, that's just one of many. It just keeps going, but I think yep. it's just freaking awesome. Yeah. So what's some of your takeaways from this experience? Uh, I mean, a lot. What uh, are the things that you learned? Because you did a lot. So, I, don't, I mean, I kind of want people to to hear something cool about what, the, you know, I, obviously you've said it was, it was just fun to come. You know, it was yeah, like. That's awesome. It was fun yeah. to come, but like. What was a takeaway that you have that you don't feel like you had watched, you know, for something that I had put out there? So one thing that stuck out to me the most, um, you know, besides your awesome coaching ability to, you know, improve my shot, but like your retention of knowledge, like of just everything archery, like earlier we're talking about the spine and how like turning the, the knock not the next thing. Yeah. 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 Like all that stuff. I'm like, just, you know, it's, it's obvious in your content that you, you know, you love archery, uh, bow hunting. It, I mean, it's obvious. Uh, but like what I, I should have known is like how much knowledge is up here, uh, of, of archery and just everything that you just right off the bat and you just know all this stuff and it's, it's awesome. And, you know, I was feel very fortunate to just see a tidbit of that and just, you know, you teaching me these things and just sharing this knowledge with me. Um, and I just, hopefully I retain all of it uh, yeah. when I go back. But, um, but yeah, that's one thing that stuck out. And just overall, man, you're just a, a great guy. And it's, it's been awesome to hang with you, uh, you and the, the knock-on crew here. And Sharon, it just, I've been very grateful hanging out here. Yeah, we, yesterday when you landed, we went out to lunch and, and I had, uh, not everybody, but, you know, probably, I don't know, well, there's some people that don't work directly in the building, so, but you met, you know, a full table full of people that are, you know, that are our right hand, left hand, you know, yeah. double right hand, left hand. Sure. Like we have, we have a lot of really good team members that yeah. help this whole thing function all the time. So you got yep. to meet all of them and 
just we're really lucky to have a bunch of people that that love archery or love the content that we're putting out. Yeah, you know, and we're trying yeah. to. It's hard to. It's hard to find puzzle pieces sometimes. Like you have ones that look pretty dang close to like fitting in there, and right. you know, like, hey, I've got a missing piece. I think it's kind of shaped like this. Yeah. And then you, you kind of, you know, you're looking at resumes and you're talking to people and you're like, this one seems like it's just going to click right in there. But, oh, yeah. you know, it kind of, you kind of have to smash down <laughs> all the edges to like get it to Round go in. And, it, yeah. yeah. And then you realize actually this like isn't a fit. Yeah. But we're getting really close to a complete, a, a complete board, you know, luckily, yeah. which is hard to put together. I mean, from what I've seen, you got, uh, very well oiled machine, I'd say. Like everything here is just awesome. Yeah, well, that's that's it's been a lot of it's Sharon. Obviously, it's the the team, but you know, Sharon definitely helps all that stuff happen yeah. because, you know, when people ask me about what's going on here, I just i i want to i want to be able to to practice archery. I yeah. want to be able to. Um, we got a birthday coming up. Yeah. And honestly, we didn't even know how old I, I, I said how old I thought I was. Um, we actually had some, some people just stop in, uh, the other day, uh, and just kind of, Hey, we're in the area. I want to stop in and, and just kind of like, you know, get to know you. And, um, and actually had a few guys stop by that. I think a lot of people would be surprised that stopped by and we hung out and had a good time and, and, you know, I just told them like, Hey, if you're ever coming by and you want to shoot, like I shoot every day, Yeah, you know, I shoot every day I work out. And I said, you know, I'm just trying to do my best. I said, as a 45 year old dude that, <laughs> you know, I just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like do it enough to where I can do it longer, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I'm trying to slow the diminishing, uh, you know, aspect of life, mm -hmm. um, from an athlete an athlete's point of view and Sharon said no you're older than that and I'm like oh man seriously but oh, yeah. I am 45 so yeah. <laughs> I was I was correct with that there you go but uh yeah you you get to see um you get to see that which very few people do and I, I mean and I in a lot of ways I don't want to I definitely don't want it to come across as like boasting or saying like this is what i have or this is what i do yeah, no no that's not how you came across at all but what i will tell people and i know that there's some people that there's some people that i've spent less than 10 10 hours of my entire life with that want to make like comments about what i'm like or what i do every day and they have no idea yeah like no idea but yeah. i can guarantee you like what you see is what you get yeah. And if it doesn't matter what direction you go from anything that I own, there is a hundred percent archery connected to it. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, everything, uh, I mean, your whole, everything revolves around archery. And, and I remember talking last night and uh, it just, you, you basically said that the content I put out is, uh, content that I feel is best for the archery community based on my experience. And it's just, 
like you you have this passion to share this content and you want to make archers around the world better um and improve and and you've done that with me like when i first started you know i shot okay but once i found your content i just started learning that stuff and then applied it and learning the mechanics and stuff and i think a lot of other people would agree with me that you know the stuff that you put out's helped them as well and so um yeah you definitely archery revolves around all of it there's a certain aspect that's really tough and the and the toughest part for me is being able to help someone or figure out a better more effective way to help someone when they're not shooting in front of me right because once if if i can see someone shoot yeah like you know i kind of feel like you know matt damon on a ch- chalkboard and goodwill <laughs> hunting or something yeah if if someone's shooting their normal shots in front of me i could I can pick it apart really fast. Yeah. And I can, my brain tells me what can have an immediate impact and what is better off to like see how that other aspect develops once, you know, once topics A, B, or C, or maybe it's just A and B, like, hey, there is A, B, C, D, and E, but if A gets polished really good, yeah. then like B could be different yeah, or C could be different. So I, you know, I, I, sometimes I pick and choose or sometimes I have to say, listen, there, there's like five things you got to put together. Right. But for you, it was, it was really only a few. Yeah. And you, you picked up on it. Like the first, like seriously, as soon as I landed, we went out to lunch and then we go back to the range and we just, you're like, we'll just start shooting. And, you know, don't be nervous in front of me. Just just shoot. And so I was just shooting, shooting, shooting. And then I didn't even realize, like, that you were, like, kind of paying attention. And you had some, like, videos and, and pictures of, like, my form and everything. And you're pointing out stuff that I had no idea I was doing. Yeah. Like, how I shifted my hand after I drew back. Like, all that stuff. Like, I had no idea. Like, when I... Before I came here, I thought I had good hand placement, which I, I think I find I did. You at the end have of a, my, you have a good finished hand position. Finished hand position, yeah. right? I didn't yeah. realize that. I didn't start with that hand position, mm-hmm. and so I would shift the bow or shift my hand around the the bow. So stuff like that, like you picked up quick, and and you know I've immediately started doing, uh, doing those corrections that you told me to do. Yeah, because you could, like, let's just say you could be a good driver off a tee box where, like, once you hit the ball, it goes straight. But if you look like Charles Barkley doing it, you know, where it's just like, whoa, dude. I kind of want to see Charles Barkley hit (laughs) off a tee box. Have you not? No. Dude, I kind of want you to, 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 uh, if you haven't seen Barkley's golf swing, you need to. Oh. It's. Uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah, for I don't you. have. I don't have a good golf swing myself. The one well, time, the guarantee one... you've got a better one than that. Because <laughs> yeah, it's if you type type in Charles Barkley, dude, golf swing comes up. So. Oh my. Oh no. Well, that's <laughs> that's a good one. Actually. That's a good one. 
Yeah. Oh, poor Charles. Check that out. Oh, that looks painful. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's tortured golf swing. Yes. Torture well described. Him. Torture for him or this khaki shorts. <laughs> oh, Charles is a good guy. Shout out to Barkley. Uh, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they didn't give him a very good rating on that. Ooh. That's awesome. Well, um, but I know what you mean. Like, you know, you can, you know, send a good drive down, but, you know, yeah. you, there could always be better. Well, the thing that I've found is the longer the path you take to, like, get to a good shot, yeah. the more likely you are to, like, miss a turn on the trail. Yeah. You know, if someone said, like, hey, you know, to get, to get over to La Casa, you know, which yeah. I took you to for lunch yeah, first delicious. day, you know, and, and this is a perfect example. You could leave here and you could take a left, go to the stoplight and take a left mm-hmm. and it'll be a mile down on the right. Yep. Or you can go out and take a right and take another right, mm-hmm. take a left, take another right, <laughs> go up four times, take a right. Right. And it'll be in front of you. <laughs> But it's like when you do that many different maneuvers to get there, it's like you just you put an opportunity out there that you can make a mistake. So the efficiency of like what I teach is I'm trying to teach something to where the movement is so small and the steps are like so clean that – you can make a mistake and I do make mistakes and like, you know, I think, did I, how many times did I miss that square on the elk at 80 yards? Was it the one time when I said I was left? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, and I caught like the shot broke and I said that's left. Yeah. Legitimately the second you finished your pull through, you were like, that's left. Yeah, and I I knew it not from where my pin was, but because of the fact I knew that my hand wasn't finishing over my shoulder. Like, as soon as the shot broke, I could feel my release hand coming out and away from my face. Mm -hmm. And so I knew what that form flaw was going to result in. Like, I, if I could have set it faster, I could have, like, told you before the arrow was even out of my bow like that thing my bow is going to send that left yeah um and so i tried to just minimize it and it wasn't it wasn't that far off yeah but i think the better you get at efficiency if you make a mistake it's it has less of a penalty and that and that's kind of what i look for but when you were talking about um just my brain like the knowledge that is in my brain. Um, I honestly don't, I don't really know how much is in there. Like, it's not like, it's not like it's thinking around like, you know, like that meme that's out with, uh, um, uh, I always say Zach Snuffleupagus. I know that's not his last name, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's what I call him. But I like that better. When, what I feel like is when I, someone asks me about archery or if I'm watching archery and someone says, what do you think? Yeah. Like, I feel like there's this old man, like 
inside of my brain that's got this big sliding ladder that like he like has to like oh, slide sure. along and then like climb up to the top of the bookshelf yep. and yep. like pull a book off and blow the dust off. yeah and, blo- <laughs> and then like open it up and then he's like all right it says here yeah you know that in 1994 <laughs> when you were shooting your you know scott mongoose uh wrist strap with a bendable spring trigger on it yeah. you know yeah uh so it, I'm glad that it's not like I'm not forgetting it, but it definitely is like it's acting like a hard drive that wants to shut down to where right. like, you know, I'll start thinking about it and you can tell it has to like wake up and yeah. then like, like start turning. Start, yeah, sure. So, and that's what holds me back, honestly, from a content point of view, because mm-hmm. so much of my content, which I'll actually, I'm going to do a coach's corner just based on some of your pictures oh, yeah. so that I can help everybody else and be like, Hey, here's a new coaching corner segment. These are based off a couple clips, you know, that yeah. I got from Aaron when yeah. he was here. And, and I think when people see like that hand movement, they're going to be like, what? Yeah. I mean, cause I'm like, okay, I, listen, this is, yeah. I'm going to have to slow this way down, but this is like a quarter of a second. It literally, I, I mean, my shot, sequence you know, yep. when i first got here i mean just wasn't even thinking about it i'd grab my bow knock an arrow clip the release in and i would just pull back mm-hmm. just start my shot sequence so this is happening you know by the time i'm like knocking an arrow to like i'm re- about ready to release like you're talking a couple seconds yeah you know so for you to pick that out right away and just say you know this is kind of like the first thing i want you to try and you showed me the video. I'm like, how did you even, how did you even see that? Well, I also saw, I saw that, and I thought, like, I wonder if it, I wonder if it's actually affecting it. So I, had, I didn't tell you right away. I saw, I saw it first, and then I actually waited till like the second or third end mm-hmm. because I was looking at like what your, what your arrows were doing down on the range. Right. But I was also like looking at your shots, and your shots were pretty dang clean so i'm like okay his variation that's down range Mm -hmm. is left and right so that was like the confirmation to me that what i was picking on was torque related yeah you know it's like this is related to two things if i narrow this down yeah you know which kind of like you know with the doctor if your dog goes in it's like you know sick or something yeah it's like okay if i push on it here does it like squeal no (laughs) it you know if so you you know you're kind of like looking at what are symptoms yeah and even though you know the sickness what are these two symptoms and i'm gonna try to i'm gonna look at do they have this first symptom Mm -hmm. and if that's a no then do they have that symptom and if that's a yes then there's a, a high percent chance that that's right. what it's going to be. So for you, when I saw the places that you missed, I'm like, okay, well, if I only looked at his misses down here at the bail, yep. I would assess these misses are due to A, B, or C. So then when we go back to the line and I watch you shoot, I'm like, okay, well, there's A. Yep. And there's B. Yep. There, luckily, there's no C, but definitely A and B, and the combination of the two are going to magnify it. So, yeah. like, 
even when you miss out there on the elk, mm-hmm. I wasn't on that side, but like those times where you miss like far left. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them I saw, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of them, as soon as it broke, I thought, yeah, that's going left. Yeah. And that um, was how I was releasing pulling through my release. You didn't pull through. Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, you've got, uh, you've got the ability for a closing statement right now for the knock on podcast. Wow. So is, is, uh, we're going to wrap this sucker up. A lot so, of pressure here. Well, I can just close it if you don't want, if no, you don't I want actually, it. But I if wanted, there's anything that you want to say, I do. I want it, you know, uh, you could have easily just invited me out here and like built a bow and just said, you know, let's shoot a little bit and called it a day. But for you to, to, you know, invite me out here, take the time with me to build the bow uh, I mean, I was tying knots like crazy yesterday, <laughs> but that was just on one portion. Yeah. Uh, and so just all of that combined and like sharing your knowledge and just, you know, inviting me to dinner and, and everything and just, you know, making me feel so welcome here has been, it speaks volumes about you. I mean, I mean, you've put out so much content, free content for the archery community, but to just have a complete stranger who happened to win a contest after buying six tickets and just welcoming me uh, has been is the probably one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Dang, that's and, awesome! And I can't thank you guys enough. I mean, I again, I'm still in shock. <laughs> I know it's it's unreal. Um, and I'm I've I've worked hard for where I've where I'm at now, like as far as career wise, and. Yep. I've actually talked to my, a lot with my wife about this, and I'm like, you know, how is it that me that I've I've won this this awesome experience, this bow, like I just feel like I need to to give back, you know, like give back to the community. So something cool that Toyota does, like any team member that gives a donation to a charity, Toyota matches hundred percent. Okay. So in in the name of Knock On Nation, I'm going to donate money to. To a Navy SEAL Foundation, and total match at a hundred percent. That is awesome, dude. Yeah. So then it's just like my small token of giving back, you know, from this great experience, but in a good way, and just show my appreciation, dude. That is so cool. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. And, and uh, man, if we do it again, you know, I've debated, I've I've debated doing some of these to where you know I know I do a lot of bow builds for people that. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, of course you're going to build one for them. But what about an everyday guy? And that's why for, for this one, I'm like, listen, yeah. anybody, anybody yeah. can pay, uh, you know, was it 20 bucks? It was 20, 20 bucks a yeah. ticket or six for a hundred. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I might do, I might do this again if there's times where, you know, there's something in the calendar where it's like, you know, I'm just going to get a random person out here. You know, yeah. and just do this because it was honestly, it was like super rewarding for me and fun. Um, and one of the things that I really love about the Total Archery Challenge event, and I know people, you know, I'm wearing a tax shirt right now. Yeah. I mean, granted, it's a knock on tax shirt, yeah. but um, still counts. Yeah. But I, it's because like today I knew we were going to shoot and we were yeah. going to practice. So I was kind of like, get in the get in the tack mode, you know? Yeah. And what I love about it is I love the fact that I am, it's a hundred percent grassroots. It's like, 
You know, it's like when an artist um, gets to the point where, you know, I look at like Sturgill Simpson where it just gets to the point where they they just, you can see, I, I saw him meet someone, a friend of Bert Soren's. I, I, saw him, I saw him meet him and he was so fascinated about this dude because he was like from the hills, you yeah. know catching turtles and like all and he did a fish fry for us and hush puppies and sturgill was just so freaking pumped to like get to that grassroots of like who he you know was and then he also like shared with me and bert both uh we were out on a freaking swamp airboat going around (laughs) in the swamp bow fishing and everything and and it started pouring, and I'm talking like a freaking monsoon yeah. to where we're like, we got to just get in the car for a while. Oh, man. Um, because it was raining too hard to, like, get the boat off at this new landing. So we were sitting in there. So then Sergio just said, you know, hey, let me let me share with you guys. Like, he goes, I'm recutting stuff into bluegrass. So he just put his phone on the, the truck radio and started playing, you know, yeah. his new – his his music and he's like i wrote this song to be bluegrass but it what like that's not what that's not with like the uppity ups wanted right you know, that's not yeah. like what the powers that be wanted right and so for me doing something like this it yeah. like it like i told you it took me back like i was sitting there thinking when i was a hundred percent dorked out about skiing moguls if I would have like, if I would have, if K two would have gave away a a to be able to ski with Glenn Plake yeah. on a on a hill for a yeah. day, I would have been like, holy freaking crap, that's yeah. the coolest thing. Yeah. Or or you know, if if they would have been like, you know, hey, you can go skate with to- Tony Hawk. You right. know what I mean, it would have yeah. been like awesome. And you know, I don't want to like say I'm at a Tony Hawk's level, but it's just like, if you're really learning from someone and trying to tailor your technique, um, to someone that you're looking up to, to be able to like have a, the ability to like ask questions and do stuff and, and honestly see what their daily routine is like, what got them there? You know, if, because, you know, when I look at like, one of the things I love about like when I visit with like Jocko or when Jocko comes out, it's just like, okay, well, there's no doubt why he's freaking who he is. Mm-hmm. Rogan's the same way. You know, people, everyone asks me, what's he really like? I'm like, listen, dude, unless he's putting on a front and like acting again, he a hundred percent is, he has a freaking a routine that most of you probably can put together based on a social media. But yeah, I mean, he's going to get up, he's going to freaking work out hard. He's probably going to do some martial arts. He's going to do some type of a, you know, he's going to podcast somewhere throughout the day and he's going to get in a sauna. (laughs) He's going to spend time with Marshall and his family. And then when the family goes to bed, he is going to be freaking grinding yep. doing material for comedy. Yeah, if he's not doing a show that night. Yeah, right? I mean, so. Joe freaking, Joe talks to me like normally he's texting me something two hours before I wake up. 
I mean, he he freaking and and he does that during a time where I think it's right for his mind, like for, for you know for his comedy stuff. Yeah, but I'm that way too. Like, there's certain there's certain parts of me that have creativity, writing and coming up with content, um, and like trying to figure out how to put how to put it in front of someone, like tack. Um, so like arc flaws when I did that for the tack. Yeah. Like if you look at arc flaws, it was like I had to be in a creative state of mind to be able to put that together in a way to where it made sense for people. Yeah. Because those were those were like things that flow through my brain from the years of shooting to where I feel like I could execute the best shots possible. But it's like, how do I put this together? To where people will remember all of these things that can make you miss on a mountain Mm -hmm. and put it together to where if you go through this checklist, you're going to be making better shots. So, um, yeah, I think I think to be able to be around people and really see that that they are true to their nature um, is critical. And I'm glad you got to see it. I mean, it was uh, it was refreshing. Yeah, it was. Like, honestly, like, after the first day was over, I said, you know, you could have just brought me to the to the, the range, the, sh- the shop, and just said, sweep the floor, and I would have been happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweep the floor. <laughs> yeah, before I leave. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it just, again, couldn't thank you enough. It's just an awesome experience and uh, just unreal. Couldn't ask for anything else. I mean, it's cool, dude. Yeah. Well, knock on everybody. We'll talk at you later. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Thank you. Yep. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.